0: Thanks for checking out this video. My name is Kiara, and I hope you enjoy this message from Redemption Church. This morning's passage comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Let's read. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her." So if you've been around at all since May, you know that we're in a series called Summer Camp. And there are really two purposes to this series. First of all, we hope to create a kind of nostalgic atmosphere to relive some of our really positive summer camp memories growing up. I know that a lot of us have similar experiences of really encountering Jesus in a real way, maybe for the first time at a summer camp. So all the campy stuff in the lobby and the older songs we did early on, all of that is designed to hopefully help us to get back to that place, and hopefully in a really fun way. Secondly, we know that a lot of people met Jesus at summer camp. So we're going through the Gospel of Luke this summer, and each week we're focusing on a different story where someone meets Jesus. So this morning, we've come to Luke chapter 10, and to a story that a lot of us have heard a few times, and if you are a lady who has been around women's ministry at all, you've heard it twice as many times. It's the story of Martha and Mary. And when Stephen told me that this was the passage for this week, I got a little nervous. Honestly, it's one of the most popular stories, especially for women to read, and it's four verses, and I have 30 minutes, and, and we've all heard it so many times. We've all heard about how the calloused, aggressive Martha blew up, blew up her sister Mary, who only wanted to sit at Jesus' feet, and how we need to be more focused on prayer and worship than our mundane daily tasks. And honestly, that's a decent lesson, right? We could all stand to do that more, to worry less about the house and soccer practice and the grocery store and the work project and the college assignment, and really carve time to sit at the feet of Jesus. But like Scripture always does, the more we seek, the more we find. This passage has practical implications for us, as well as gospel implications. So this morning, we're looking at what Mary and Martha teach us about purpose, how Jesus responds to the troubled and anxious, and our role in the gospel story. So let's start with purpose. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving." It's hard to really get into the meaning of this passage without looking at the cultural context. First of all, we need to paint a picture of our characters. The first person we see in the story is Jesus. At this point in the gospel, he is a few years into his public ministry. And it's really easy for us to look at this story through our broader perspective, because we've read both ends of it. We know where Jesus came from, who he is, and where he's going. But at this point in history, Jesus is still building his public reputation. The pivotal defining moments of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection are all still in the future. They didn't know Jesus as the son of God who was born of a virgin and who would one day raise their brother Lazarus from the dead and would die a horrible death that he himself would predict and then rise from the dead and take all of his followers into his glorious eternal kingdom. They just knew of him as Jesus, a teacher a new figure on the religious scene, and a controversial one. He was not embraced by the religious elite. So without really knowing the scope of who Jesus was or what he could do, despite the controversy surrounding him, Martha welcomed him into her home. Martha, obviously, is the next person that we meet. We can assume that she's a strong woman, an independent thinker. After all, she's welcomed this traveling prophet into her home. And the fact that she has a home of her own, it's not described as her husband's home or her father's home. It's Martha's home. She was independent. She was in the know, a woman who was aware of what was happening around the city. She knew the moment Jesus arrived, and she was the first one to welcome him into her home. We could probably assume that Martha was a woman of means. It appears that she operates independently of a father or a husband, and she put up her sisters as well. But instead of having servants prepare the meal for Jesus, and probably at least a dozen disciples, She does it herself. She's a hard worker. When we read this story or grow up hearing it, it's so easy to villainize Martha, to contrast her distracted, brazen stubbornness with Mary's quiet, gentle, submissive spirit. But I think that would be doing a disservice to the story. If any of us met Martha today, we would almost certainly respect and admire her. She's independent, she works hard. She welcomes Jesus in, and instead of ordering the servants to handle all the work of hosting him, She jumps in and does it herself. She sounds like a lot of people that I know, people that I respect and hope to be like, people that our church and even our culture would celebrate. But this story peels back all of those characteristics and looks at the heart and the motive behind them in a way that's challenging to us, to our culture, and to what we respect and strive for. The third person we meet is Mary. We don't really have many details on Mary based on this story. The only thing we really see is that she is captivated by the presence of Jesus. The story tells us that she sits at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word. If you look at the cultural meaning of that phrase, what it means to sit at someone's feet, it's a discipleship word, poos. It means disciples who are sitting at their instructor's feet were said to be sitting at his feet. They were taking in his teaching. If you look at what Mary is doing, she has said, I am now a disciple of Jesus. She's submitting herself to his teaching. This isn't just a casual encounter for Mary. She's not dropping in for Jesus' TED Talk. She has postured herself at the feet of Jesus to be his disciple for life. Following him has become her purpose. So what can we learn about purpose from Martha? The text says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. If you were to ask any woman with male house guests in that day what their purpose was in that moment, what would the answer be? To serve, to prepare food, and to wash feet, and to make them feel at home. Hospitality was so important in that time. It would have been viewed not just as a task, but a privilege to serve, and especially Jesus, the exciting rising star of the religious scene. But the text says that Martha was distracted by serving, distracted by serving. We can only conclude that the scripture views her most important task as doing what Mary was doing, as sitting at Jesus' feet, and everything else was a distraction. The first and probably the easiest lesson we can pull out of this story is to slow down, to not become caught up in our assumed responsibilities and to look for the moments when we can instead be at the feet of Jesus. I almost didn't even bring up this point because it seems so obvious, but it is the first thing to go out the window when I'm distracted. I get caught up in the current of my week. I start out intending to be intentional with my time and then the familiar order of things takes over and sweeps me away without me even noticing that it's happening. We have to give credit to all those women's Bible studies that told us to prioritize time with Jesus over being a Martha and being caught up in tasks. They were right. And even though this lesson is so cliche by now, I still do not do this every day. So we respect the familiar lesson that this story has taught us. And now we keep digging. Martha's conversation with Jesus teaches us that what feels most urgent isn't always what is most important. Martha confronts Jesus with Mary's laziness, and he does not do what she wants him to do. He questions her conviction that the work must be done by her as quickly as possible. He affirms Mary's decision to sit at his feet. Does this mean that Jesus doesn't care about Martha's efforts to be a good hostess? Isn't serving a kingdom value that Jesus elevates? In Matthew chapter 11, he said that the greatest among you must be a servant. We, like Martha, often confuse our assignment with our purpose. Our assignment could change almost daily, or it could stay the same for years. It's the conviction that we have in our hearts to do something when we see that it needs to be done. Our assignment could be our job, our ministry, our passion project, but we cannot confuse it with our purpose. What is our purpose? To sit at the feet of Jesus, to be His disciple, to receive and respond to His gospel, to commit ourselves to and enjoy an endless relationship with Him. Assignment can change. We can lose our job, we can lose our drive, we can experience failure that costs us our assignment. But our purpose is something unchanging. It cannot be taken. We don't dare tangle up our purpose with our assignment. It will only lead to frustration. Martha defends her assignment with purpose-worthy aggression. And Jesus is quick to tell her that her passion is misplaced. Clearly, Jesus doesn't have a problem with service itself. His real concern comes out in verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Which leads us to our next question. Where does that troubledness and anxiety come from? And how does Jesus respond? And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my servant sister has left me to serve alone? tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. How does Jesus respond to the troubled and anxious? Well, first of all, with compassion. The doubling of a name in biblical literature is a kind of literary tool to show deep emotion, deep feeling. It's almost desperate. It's so charged with feeling. When Abraham was moments away from sacrificing his son Isaac, the promised one who was to carry on his name on the altar, the angel of the Lord called out to him, Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 22. And Abraham said, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. When David learned of his son Absalom's death, Even though Absalom died in rebellion trying to steal the throne from his father, 2 Samuel 19 tells us that the king covered his face and he cried out with a loud voice, "'Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son.'" When God spoke to Moses, who was in exile from his people, living in the wilderness, unaware of the purpose to which he was about to be called, God spoke to him from a burning bush, Exodus 3 says that when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Jesus looks over the city of Jerusalem, the holy city, with deep sorrow and deep compassion and says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children under my wings as a hen gathers her brood and you were not willing. At the last supper, hours before he's taken into custody, Jesus looks at Simon Peter, who is about to deny him, sees him with love and says in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And on the cross, as he's dying, bearing the weight of all of our sin, separated for the first time from the presence of his father, Jesus' heart breaks and he screams, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Martha approaches Jesus and she confronts him saying, do you even care? Tell her to help me. Jesus responds, Martha, Martha. He speaks her name twice. Jesus' first words to her are full of deep love and tremendous compassion. He is not casually scolding her. He's trying to grab her attention to make her see the importance of this moment and of what comes next. Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about many things. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how Jesus bypasses the issue that Martha brought up? He doesn't say, you are troubled and anxious about the meal preparations and about your sister's laziness. No, he sees to her heart. He kind of reads her mail honestly. He says, you're troubled by the situation, sure, but not just that. You're troubled and anxious about a lot of things. He sees her. He acknowledges Martha first with deep emotion and then with perception about the state of her life, troubled and anxious. Jesus is love and compassion for us goes far beyond the situational problem and extends to the life patterns, the undergoing reasons. Martha came to him for help in the kitchen, and instead he offers to fix a deeply personal issue. She wants him to fix her meal prep problem, and instead he offers to fix her anxiety problem. Jesus looks at those who are anxious about many things with compassion. He wants to help, he sees you, and he perceives and understands more deeply than you can imagine. After he shows compassion, Jesus offers Mary, Martha, perspective. You are troubled and anxious about many things, but one thing is necessary. In a Tim Keller sermon I listened to to prepare for this talk, he shared that people in the traditional church have used this passage to contrast the secular life represented by Martha with a life of full-time service to the church represented by Mary. That Martha, the modern business person with a dozen plates spinning who needs to have it all to feel successful, really just needs to be Mary, the person who has decided to dedicate their whole life to sitting at the feet of Jesus, or more plainly, working at a church, studying in a monastery, or being a priest. But if Martha represents anything in this story, she represents a person in full-time ministry. She is not distracted by secular work. She is distracted by ministry to Jesus. And it's that ministry to Jesus that prevents her from recognizing her need to sit at the feet of Jesus. How many of you can relate to this? Because this has been my life. I spend almost every Sunday more concerned with how I can help Jesus get his message across than by recognizing my own need to hear it. The call of Jesus to Martha is the call that he would give to all of us who lead people or serve people or who work in the nursery or who work at a nonprofit or who mentor or lead worship or teach, there is one thing that is necessary to sit at the feet of Jesus receiving his ministry. Everything else is secondary. And the third way that Jesus responded to Martha, the troubled and anxious, is with hope. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. In this moment, Jesus did not say, you're troubled and anxious about a lot, but one thing is needed, keep searching. And someday you might discover the secret to peace of mind and the solution for your anxiety. No, Jesus told Martha what was needed. What was needed was the thing that Mary had chosen to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, the greatest fear of a Martha, an achiever is of course failure but also what comes along with failure. Loss, the fear of loss. That if you don't perform or succeed, that the object of your striving will be taken away. We see this in our relationships. If I'm not the perfect wife or husband, if I'm not the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend, the relationship will be taken away. I will lose them. We see this in our jobs. If I'm not the perfect employee, if I don't meet and exceed expectations, my job will be taken. We see this with our kids. If I'm not the perfect parent, I will lose relationship with my kids. They will be taken away. Or if I don't study my hardest, if I'm not at the top of my class, if I don't graduate with honors, my future will be taken away. The hope of the gospel is this, that what is most important can never be taken away. The comfort of the gospel, the peace that we can have is that there is no level of achievement and no depth of failure that can separate us from being the greatly loved children of God that we are. Jesus makes a promise to Mary that what she has chosen is eternally secure. It will not be taken. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Romans eight twenty eight. And this leads us to the gospel, the greatest part of every story. We learn from Martha and Mary that our identity has to be grounded primarily in having received the ministry of Jesus before it can be in being in ministry for Jesus. Before we can be effective and joyful in ministry to and for Jesus, we need to acknowledge that we are first and foremost recipients of the ministry of Jesus. Before we can effectively spread the gospel, we have to acknowledge that we are in deep need of it ourselves until we grasp how lovingly, sacrificially, unjustly we were served by Jesus. We will never find true joy in serving others in his name. The greatest lesson we can learn from Martha is that even good, productive, and meaningful work, if it doesn't start by sitting at the feet of Jesus, only leads to frustration and bitterness. We get burnt out. Even when we think about the most important work of all, the spreading of the gospel. We look at the world and are disillusioned by all of the work that needs to be done. And we look at the people around us and are tempted to feel bitterness if they're not working as hard as us. Jesus, don't you care that I'm doing all of this by myself? Tell them to help. No matter how important the task, it will lead to burnout and frustration if it doesn't start at the feet of Jesus. When we start at His feet, listening, delighting in Him, understanding our place in the story, recognizing what He has done, then we can go out and serve joyfully, full of peace, that all that needs to be accomplished will be accomplished in Him. When we depend on ourselves, our work ethic to accomplish anything, Our hearts say, I have to do this. I have to, because if I don't, it will not get done. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, the attitude of our hearts can be, he will accomplish everything. We have to let this story challenge the way that we see ourselves, as those in need of the service of his savior. Jesus is the ultimate servant, the rescuer who welcomed us into his home and His family when we were in need, the moment we start to identify ourselves as the ultimate servant, we rob the gospel of its power to do its work in us. The story of Martha and Mary is not a story to discourage us from hard work. The most diligent, effective, and life-giving work will come out of time spent at the feet of Jesus. When we understand that the highest purpose of our life is to sit at the feet of Jesus, it calms us out of our anxiety and our worry. When we realize that we are first recipients of the gospel, it humbles us out of the frustration of our striving. We can place our trust in the Savior who saved us first. He will finish the work that he started. He will prepare the table for us. We sit and receive from him before we rise to accomplish what he calls us to. The only meaningful work sustained by inner peace and trust in Jesus, must start at his feet. It seems fitting to close this message centered around a meal prepared by Martha, to contrast it with a meal prepared by Jesus. As you take communion today, be reminded of the finished work that has been done, fully done. The hope of the gospel is this, Jesus has and will accomplish all that we ever need to accomplish. We put ourselves in a posture of trust and humility as we come to His table. How could we take communion, look back on how Jesus single-handedly ended the reign of sin and death and still worry about what we feel we need to accomplish. If He was able to save us, to save me, He is still able to accomplish all that we could ever be worried about. Once we place ourselves at His feet, in trust, we are in the perfect position to be directed by Him. He will move our hearts to service. His gospel will inspire us to do the work that He calls us to, but it all starts at His table. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, watching this video. If you want to learn more about our church, go ahead and click the link in the description or head on over to experienceredemption.com. Have a great week, guys.